in the passage of Scripture, is this something that God is saying that He's going to do? Or check it out and, say, and look at it and say, or is this a passage that we're supposed to do? When you read a passage, it's very important to understand that because there's so many Scriptures that reference what God is doing and what God has done, but then there's passages that where the Lord puts a responsibility on us to do certain things, okay? And, and so if we understand that, then we're going to realize that God's not doing everything. He's doing His job, and He expects us to do our job. And it's a, it's a joy of being in participation with the Maker, of the, the Creator of the universe. It's the joy of being doing something with our Father. He's not going to do it all. He loves watching His creation fulfill, function the way He created them to function. All right, so that's important for us to understand. What is our responsibility? Um, Jesus, John 5.30, he said, of my own self, I can do nothing. All right, that's the son of the living God, the one that emptied himself of his deity, according to Philippians. He emptied himself, he poured it out, and he, when he walked this earth, he walked this earth as a man, emptied, but dependent upon the Holy Spirit with the power of the Holy Spirit working through his life. So he was dependent upon the Lord. Jesus was dependent. The Creator was de- dependent upon the Father when he emptied himself to become a man. Um, and so we have this understanding that if Jesus needed God, and, and Jesus couldn't do anything without the Father, the Holy Spirit working, how much more so us, but yet at the same time it says, Philippians 4, 13, what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we need to understand that. Um, in Genesis 1:20, God is laying out some stuff for Adam. He's laying out why he, what he created man for. And you see, when he created man, he gave him a list of things that he was to do. Now, when God asks you to do something, he's going to empower you to do it. But here's what he asked him. Genesis 1, and God blessed them, verse 28, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over and then he goes on to list all the things in creation to rule over. So he was to, f- f- to go in and fill the earth, but he was to subdue the earth. You ever wonder about that passage? Subdue the earth. Um, the earth was just in symbolism. You all understand the symbolism of the earth, like the earth, God cursed the earth at the fall. The earth represents the fallen nature represents the carnal man and uh we are this flesh this body that we carry that paul talks about sin dwelling in the flesh in romans chapter 7 this is the body right here our body has sin dwelling in it according to romans 7 we have sin that dwells in our flesh and it's at war against against the spirit it's at war against it we, our responsibility is to subdue the earth, this body, the sin in the flesh. That's why the scripture says to consider yourself dead to sin. 
Now, <clears throat> Cain, and this, I think this verse is so telling, so interesting. Y'all know the story of Cain and Abel, right? Yeah. Cain and Abel, was the, Cain was the first murderer on the earth. He was, he was the first son of Adam and Eve, and he, um, we all know the story. He killed his brother because of jealousy. And, but before he did, God came to him and warned him. And he said a very interesting thing. He said, sin is crouching at your door. It's knocking. It's right there at the doorway. He's trying to get in your door. But you must master it. It's important that we learn how to master sin and we don't let it have rule in our, in our lives because it separates us from God it produces death in every kind of way. I'll give you an example. We all know what sin does, um, but let's give you an example. A, 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 a married family, the father has a family, and he cheats on his wife and destroys the home, and the kids grow up anger and bitter because their family was messed up. Okay? Your sin, my sin, never ever affects just us. It always affects those around you. Adam sinned and Eve sinned and it didn't just affect them, it affected every generation after them. And there's going to be a positive point in this message, okay? So just hang with me there for a minute. <laughs> I'm just trying to spell something out. Sin is destructive. And when we allow sin to come to our door and we give into it, it opens up doors for destruction. Now, in the goodness of God, God knowing what was going to happen, he had already planned before the foundations of the earth to send his son so that his son would die as sin on the cross. It made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. He saved us from all of our mess-ups. It's such a good, wonderful thing but the Lord is calling a bride at the end. Before he comes back, we know by revelation that the Lord says that he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. Okay? And I believe we're getting close. And I believe that the Lord is returning to the church again to bring the fear of the Lord to bring a holiness back to us, to where we are living holy, not out of a legalistic type of thing, but because of our love and passion for him. When I love him, I don't want to hurt him. I don't cheat on my wife. You know why? It's not because I'm not, the enemy couldn't tempt me. It's because I love my wife. Amen. I love her. And that will hurt her. See, sin hurts people. I don't want to sin because it hurts others. And when we learn how to love, then our love will lead us into a place where we're, we're growing into that area where we're not sinning. We're not, we're not giving ourselves to that. Um, let's look. I'm going to read this. This is a little bit. This is the longest passage I'm reading today, and this is longer than number, but I, no, normal, but I want to read this. If you want to turn over to Romans 6, I want us to all, kind of we got different translations. This is a New American Standard version, um, but you can follow me if you can. It's, I'm going to read a lot here, almost the whole chapter. Actually, it is the whole chapter. <laughs> uh, Romans 6. 
but I, I think it's important. I think it's good to, to get this. Romans 6, um, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We're not slaves to it anymore. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is, to master, is master over them. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves. Okay, who's doing it? Consider yourselves. This is something we got to do. To be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as an instrument of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. Remember that issue with Cain? You must master it. God is so in to us not being mastered by sin, the sin that dwells in our flesh. For sin shall not master over you. Why? Let's keep, read on. He tells us why. For you are not under law, but under grace. Isn't that interesting? Sin shouldn't have a mastery over us. Why? Because we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Amen. Grace, the grace, the covenant of the grace of God that is for by grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That grace that sets us free from the law so that I am no longer have to live according to the law to be righteous in God's sight has actually set me free from the law so that now sin should not be reigning over me. If sin is reigning over me, there's something inside the grace of God that, I, that, that is not at work in my life. Now, I'm not talking about struggle. We struggle. You're going to struggle sometimes. We're all going to struggle. But I'm talking about winning the struggle, <laughs> getting through it, overcoming. It's not like you're not going to get tempted. It's not like you're not going to go through struggles. And you're going to fall down. But get back up and keep overcoming. Keep standing. Keep fighting. Keep overcoming. Don't let it rain in your life. It's so important because what's happened is because we, God is such a good God and He is so loving and we don't want to hurt people's feelings, we have turned in, in this country and, and in other countries of the world, there are many pulpits that stand up and say, because God loves you, He doesn't expect anything from you. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Not only does He expect something from you, He expects everything from you. Everything. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. 
pick up his cross and follow me. And Jesus also said, if you do not pick up your cross and follow me, you can have no part in me. If you're not willing to die to yourself, you have no part in the Lord. That's, that's scripture. This sloppy, agape stuff that we can live in sin and it be okay. I am not talking about people who are struggling. Please understand me. I'm not, I, I have struggled with sin. There was a season in my life I struggled with pornography. You know, God didn't condemn me in it, but he didn't leave me in it either. When the, when the Lord came to the woman caught in adultery, he didn't condemn her for her adultery. He forgave her. He said, where are those that condemn you? They're gone. No one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Then what do you say? Go and sin no more. The, the message of the gospel was not one that we can live in, in, in known sin. He that knoweth to do good and does it not to him it is sin. We cannot live in known sin and just say, well, it's okay because God forgives me. And so we keep living in it and practicing it without a conviction that this is wrong and I need to get this out of my life. I need to, to change. I, you see what I'm saying? There's a difference between struggling with something and giving into it. There's a difference between fighting upstream and letting go and let the stream push you wherever it goes. If we let the sin in the flesh dominate and live through us, it will reap destruction through your whole life and everyone's life around you. Everybody. Everybody around you. If for if nothing else, people that love you and they see the destruction in your life are going to hurt. If for nothing else. So it's serious that we allow the Lord to work in us. But I, I'm getting to the good stuff. Okay, just hold with me. There's some, there's some hope in all this. Um, where was I at? That was verse 14. Okay. So 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves for the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that through, though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching in which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification." Okay, so sanctification is the result of presenting our members, what are our members, our body, to righteousness. God desires sanctification. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. I want to see him. I want to know him. So I want to allow, yet I get my message last week, I want to allow the work of the sanctification of the Spirit in my life. He's working in me to deal with things, things I can't even deal with, but I have to allow it. I have to allow it. Sanctification. You know, it's cool. You get a perfect picture when you study the, the uh, tabernacle. You know, when the tabernacle of, of Moses, the ten of me, you know, when they had the, when he put it up, the, the tabernacle, you know, you walk in, there's one doorway to get into the, to the tent. There's only one. Sounds like a passage of scripture I know of. Jesus said there's one way. There's, he says, I am the door. 
There is one way to enter into the tent of, of God, and you have to go through the Son. But as soon as you enter the door, the very first thing you're presented with is the, the, the altar where there was the sacrifice. And so you, you come in through him, and the first thing you see is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. But you know where you go next? To the, to the place of washing, the laver, where they would wash. And there was a step-by-step progression that the priest would go through to enter into the temple, to enter into the holy place and then the holy of holies. He had to come through the door. It's the only way to get in. He had to come by the cross, only way. And then he has to wash in the water of the word before he could enter into the holy place. And that's the Lord. We get saved as we are. We come to the cross as we are, but then we get washed, we get sanctified, we get purified so that we can enter into that holy place with him. That's a process that God does through us. Um, Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed, for the outcome of those things is death? For now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derived your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so no sloppy agape here, all right? God's love for us is the love us enough that he causes us up to be. See, the call of God is he calls every single one of you to be like him. Every single one of you have a call to be like him, to know him, to grow up into Christ in all things. He wants us to know him and to be like him. And that's an amazing invitation to anybody. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Where are they chosen at? In that place when the Lord comes, to, he, He's working in our life. I'm, I'm going to talk about it now. Now, you know, I want to talk to you real quick about the, um, the children of Israel and how they went into the land. Because those, the Scripture is very clear that all those things were written for us, for our instructions upon whom the end of the earth have come, the end of the age have come. We know that those things were written to teach us and to show us things. They were a picture. Um, what they experienced, what they went through is a picture of what the Lord is doing in each of us in, in our journey with him. Okay? And the amazing thing is, is that when the Lord brought them into the land, he made it very clear that they could not do it without him. Psalms 44, 3 through 8, I'm going to read that actually, I'm going to turn it over there. Psalms 44, you don't have to if you don't want to, I'm going to turn it real quick. Um, Psalms 44 is talking about, it's re-looking at the Lord driving out the, um, the enemies in the land Remember, your land is a picture of your flesh, your body. Okay, we have enemies in our land. You know that? We have enemies in our land. You ever wonder why generational sin affects certain people? Like you see a father that's, that's got all this stuff in his life, and it's like the son ends up doing the same stuff. You know? 
these generational curses. The scripture talks about how the sins of the father are passed from generation to generation. There is sin in the flesh that gets inherited. And that's, I mean, if that's not true, none of us would have a sin nature because Adam, you know, it was passed on from Adam. We all have a sin nature that has to get dealt with. We all typically, I have found this to be true, and I felt like the Lord really showed me this, is that there's different things that each of us may have a tendency to struggle with, and it's usually based on what was passed on to you. The amazing thing is that some of the stuff that we can get free from actually affect, won't get passed on to the next generation. But the, the land is representative of the, the flesh, the, the flesh, and how we have to drive the enemy out. And so if, we're, if we realize that and we're plugging in that in where we're reading this, in Psalms 44, when he's talking about them going into the land, it says that in verse 3, for by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy presence, for thou did favor them. Thou art my king, O God, command victories for Jacob. Through thee we will push back our adversaries. Through thy name we will trample down those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor will my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our adversaries, and thou hast put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to thy name forever. See, the Lord wanted to make it perfectly clear that it was his presence that actually was giving them the victory. But here's the thing you got to understand. Did they go in with sword and shield? They did. He told them, go in with sword and shield. But the passage makes it very clear their sword and shield didn't save them. Did they have to take up their sword and shield? They did. But, their, but it wasn't their sword and shield that saved them. Okay? So God is doing a work in us that we cannot do without him. But he won't do it without us. There's a responsibility that we have to engage in this. And you know, when the, when the Lord took the children of Israel into the land... He didn't tell them, just go in and just take it. He was very specific, and he led them from one city to the next city, and he was strategic in what he was, who he was dealing with in the land. And in the same is true in our life. When we get born again, God begins to work on us, and he begins to deal with things, and he's very specific in our life, the things that he will point out, and he'll say, he'll bring something up in our life. It might be unforgiveness, maybe Maybe the Lord starts dealing with you about unforgiveness you have towards someone. And he starts talking to you. And now you have an opportunity. The Lord's highlighted it. What do you do with it? Do you respond to him? Do you allow the work of the Spirit in your life to where you begin to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, I see it, Lord. Okay, I forgive so-and-so. And you're allowing sanctification to take place in your life. He's dealing with He's driving an enemy out of your land. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you have an anger issue, and the Holy Spirit highlights it. Do, do, you, do you allow that work to begin to take place? He does it with us. I know uh, the Lord began to highlight fear in my life early on in the, in the 90s, and man, what a battle that was. Everything I'm doing today, I was terrified to do of everything. I could not speak in front of people. I would choke over myself. It was the worst, miserable thing I'd ever, I mean, it was terrible because I would, I was, I would have to do it from time to time and it was just terrible. I was so terrified. It was like torture. 
And God began to point it out that he wants to deal with it. But you know what? It didn't go away overnight. I had to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and begin to contend and fight and stand and begin to jab the enemy with the sword. I had to begin to speak the Word of God over my life. I had to begin to command fear to leave myself, and I would have to begin to step forward into things even when I was afraid. You you hear what I'm saying? The Lord, I could not defeat the fear that was in my life by myself. But God wasn't going to defeat it if I didn't care enough about the land to fight for it. If I don't care enough about what the, the work of God, then, I'm, then he's not going to drive the enemies out of our land. We have to do it with him. It's called sanctification. It's a process. And the good thing is, is that none of us can do it. We don't have to feel this works mentality like we have to make this happen. We don't. Uh, we can't. But we do have to, when he highlights something. We have to allow ourselves to engage in the process so that we can see these things get free from them. Does that make sense? 2 Timothy 2.19, if you want to turn there. This is uh, another one of those things that the, where the Lord, through Paul, is telling us something that we can do, or we should do, and that we determine the outcome not God, we. Second Timothy two, nineteen. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal: the Lord knows those who are His. Okay, He knows who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. Abstain from it. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Isn't that good? Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. See, guys... We can be vessels of honor, or as the scripture says, we can be vessels of dishonor. And, and who's the vessel of honor? It's those that purify themselves. They, those that allow the Lord to work in them and they deal with this stuff and get it out of their life. Um, turn over to... Um, Actually, turn over to Jude real quick. Jude is the last book before Revelations, so it makes it easier. It's one chapter long. And I'm going to look at verse, um, let's start, I think, let's see, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself. Who did say to do it? You. Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. 
and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. I don't know if you know this, but fire burns. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Where is that thing in us that hates sin? I mean, I struggle with sin. Guys, I, I try to be an open book. You know, I struggle with sin. There's things I struggle with, okay? But I'm struggling with them. I'm not giving in to them. And if I do, I repent, and I immediately start to struggle again if, if, until I get the victory. Amen. But where is that thing in God's people that hates sin? Because you know what? God hates sin. He hates it. He hates it. We mistake in God's love for us as that somehow God's okay with sin. Some have. And that is not true. God hates sin. He hates it. And we have got to allow the work of the Spirit because I'm telling you, the Lord's about to come to His temple. And you're going to start having some Ananias and some Sapphira's that drop dead when the holiness falls. The Lord said that to the children of Israel. He said... I will not come among you lest I break out and kill you because of my holiness, because of their sin. It's serious. God was moving in such a powerful way in the New Testament. Peter's shadow was healing people. People were getting raised from the dead. Miracles were working. Signs, wonderful. God was in their midst doing something and because God was in their midst, when someone came and dared lie to the Holy Spirit, they were struck dead. That's New Testament. That's not Old Testament. That's New Testament. That's under grace. That's under the blood. <laughs> it, it, you know, what Rick said this all the time. He says things that you can get away with in the outer court will get you killed in the Holy of Holies. When the Lord comes to his temple, and we've just, we've just got to get that stuff out of our lives. That's what Hebrews talks about, that we strengthen the feeble knees and we allow the work. So I'm almost done. Um, so hang with me one second. I just want to quickly talk a little bit how the, we can allow the Lord to do this. And there's this thing. I, I mentioned some of this stuff last week, but... Um, in possessing our land, that, that was a battle, right? They fought a battle. In possessing the land and driving the enemies out, they fought a battle. We fight battles to drive the enemies out. Lust, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, you know, anxiety. Anxiety's fear. Fear's not faith. Whatever's not a faith is sin. Anxiety will kill you. There's a lot of people dying today because of anxiety is killing them there's just things that are working in us that don't have to be working in us god wants to work it you can't just run out and fix yourself i'm I, you know i'm not saying that what i'm saying is allowing the lord to work the work in us and us being in participation so that we're going after the things blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness they shall be filled i want to be righteous because I love Jesus. I want to please him. I want his heart to be happy when he looks at my life. I may not be there all the time, but I want to be. 
And what did he say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't want to want to do wrong. You hear me? I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about not struggling. I'm saying I don't want to want to. And if I don't want to want to, I can at least get help from God to want to want to what he wants. <laughs> All right, so here, here's one key that I've, the Lord's been speaking to me about. And this is, you know, the battleground for a lot of this is is our mind that's where a majority of the battle not all of it but the majority of the battles in the mind and that's why the bible says in romans 12 i'm gonna read this real quick um this is uh, verse one and two, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He's not talking about running out and killing yourself, obviously. You're not, he's saying, put the flesh under. Let that be your worship to God. You know, I've, I've known people come up here, oh, hallelujah, praise Jesus, and they're living in adultery. You think God's pleased with this when, you're, when, you, when you go out and you're not truthful with your neighbor? You think God's pleased with all the raising of the hands and the sitting in the church and saying amen if, you got, if, if you're not allowing holiness to get worked inside of you to where you're being honest with people, where you don't cheat on your taxes, when you don't cheat here and there, when you don't tell little white lies, when, you, when no one else is looking, you do right because God, you, you, God is watching and you're knowing it. You're living in the fear of the Lord, knowing that He is watching and you want to be pleasing to Him. This is what this is about. This is presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then it goes on to tell you a little more how that's possible. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our minds have to be renewed. We got stinking thinking. And if you don't get your mind renewed, you're, you're going to struggle with things. And the only way to get your mind renewed is to get in the Word of God. Allow that to wash you and to cleanse you and begin to cause your thoughts to be like God's thought. When you think something one way, then you think, oh, well, that, that's not what that Scripture says. I better change my thinking on this. Allowing the Word to wash over our mind to where... And, you know, when we read the Word, even if we don't feel like we're getting something, I guarantee you, you're getting something. His Word does not return void. So we have to be people in the Word. The mind is the battlefield. And as 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. When we have thoughts that are contrary to God's thoughts, we have to take those captive. When you're, I'm just, I guess I'm, I told you, I'm going to give you the good, bad, and the ugly. Sometimes us men, you know, the Scripture talks about the lust of the eyes, Men are, men are very visual 
by nature and the way they were created. Um, that's not a bad thing in of itself, except for when it's perverted and it's used to, for, for things that God didn't intend. But, you know, we live in a fallen world. It matters what you look at with your eyes. Because, you know why? Because the eyes paint a picture in your mind, and then you begin to think on those things. And as you think on it, it begins to produce lust and desire and things. And you have to, you know, it begins to get you, right? Part of this is caring enough about righteousness that I'm willing to not watch that movie that I really wanted to watch because I know there's some stuff in it that's going to cause me problems. I know I'm weak man. I set up firewalls. Y'all know what firewalls are in computer terminology? You have, if you're weak in an area, set up firewalls. That's the one thing that the Bible says to flee youthful lust. Flee it. Run from it. I've learned a long time ago I can't watch certain movies because if I do, it's going to cause me problems. I learned that. I care enough about wanting to be righteous that I was willing to stop watching it. And that was a process that I was growing in. Maybe the first time I felt conviction and I didn't turn the TV off, I paid a price for it. Next time I'm watching it and I'm like, I probably shouldn't be watching this. Oh, I shouldn't be watching this. Man, I shouldn't be watching this. I love this movie though. God, it's just that one scene. Ah, oh, I shouldn't be watching it. Ah, oh, Lord. All right, all right, I'll turn it off. Daggone it. And then the next time, oh, I see it on TV. Oh, I'm not even going to turn there. And when you begin to love righteousness and sanctification, I want to see him. I want to please him. I want to be pure in his sight. You begin to take captive those thoughts. You begin to fight for the battlefield of your mind so that we can be holy and blameless before the Lord. I'm not talking about us doing this in our own strength. I'm just saying, guys, let's love him enough that we allow him to do the work in us that he wants to do. Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We got to wash with the water. We got to wash with the water, guys. I got more I want to say, but I don't, I'm out of time, and uh, I'm actually over time. Um, didn't quite finish, but the bottom line, guys, is that I believe God is about to come in, in, in our midst. I believe we're about to see signs, wonders, miracles, prophetic on a whole nother level. And I want all that. I do. But you know, all that stuff will destroy us if we don't have the character to handle it. The power of God will destroy you if you don't have character to handle it. We have to allow the work of the Holy Spirit in our life so that we can be properly prepared to be vessels of honor, not dishonor. Amen.